You are listening to the Over and Back Podcast with Jason and RJ, the playoff edition. And as always, we want y'all to shut up and sit down. Hey, hey, NBA fans, welcome back again to the once missing, now returned, <laughs> over and back podcast for Sunday, May 12th, uh, 2019. It is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. Thank you to my mom for bringing me into this world. Uh, and uh, a shout out to all the other mothers out there who are NBA fans and those who aren't too. Hey. No, I was cool with the first part. <laughs> oh, it's a tough crowd over here. <laughs> Apparently moms have to love basketball to listen over and back. But uh, anyways, uh, it's been a while since I've got a chance to talk to you guys, and uh, I want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Uh, I was gone last week. I had some uh, some medical things I had to take care of, but uh, thank you for hanging in there with us and listening to us once again this week. It is definitely good to be back and uh, out of my hospital room. Yeah, you know, I'm not even that concerned about missing the podcast, and I'm certainly not that concerned about your hospital room. Do you know the biggest problem I had with us missing the podcast, and more importantly, you kind of being out of out of pocket for a little while? All right, what's that? The greatest playoff game <laughs> in our lifetime. And you and you Carlton Fisked it. You you <laughs> you uh you Goodwill hunting it. I can't even I have no words for, for what you did for the greatest playoff game of all time. Well, you know, I had to see about an appointment. <laughs> <laughs> well played. So, listeners, I'm sitting here, and I'm, I, you know, I know Jason's, you know, he, he's back and we've communicated, so I'm not, I'm not worried about him or anything. But I'm watching this playoff game. I'm like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna harass him. He's, he's probably got, uh, you know, enough people up there to talk to about this <laughs> game that just went into overtime. Not a big deal. And then it went into double overtime, and I went, oh, I grabbed my phone, and I start typing a message. Nah, I'm, I'm going to let this one sit for a minute. It goes into triple overtime, and I just I had a message typed out. I'm like, oh, I'll sit on this message just in case, like, it, it starts really crappy, right? <laughs> I'm sure he's watching this. The fact he hasn't sent me a message tells me everything I need to know. He's dialed into this game. The fourth overtime happens. And I sent him a message, and then I sent him another message. I even include his wife just in case he doesn't have his phone. It's that important to me that he knows that I'm sending this message, and I get crickets back. It's like Pinocchio here. Well, uh, in all fairness, uh, I actually did spend a little bit of time in the hospital. And uh, to kind of hand in my NBA fan card for this one, I ended up falling asleep in my hospital bed. With about 30 seconds left in regulation of that quadruple overtime game. (laughs) I want you all to process what he just said. The greatest playoff game of our generation. He got 30 seconds into the fourth quarter. Less less than 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. And he said, nah, I'm good. I'm going to check this one out. But the amount of time that I spent conscious that day. (laughs) <laughs> was I mean I the, the amount that I saw I thought that was pretty good so okay fair enough fair enough uh, just just listeners know that for the next uh, I don't know twelve weeks I'm going to continue razzing uh, about this because uh, I I like nobody talks about the victimization of RJ here. I literally had to watch this game with nobody to talk to except Cassandra, <laughs> who knows about as much as basketball. Uh, 
I don't even have like she well, knows here's, nothing here's about a good basketball. Analogy. Your wife knows about as much about basketball as my wife knows as much about basketball. So I think that's <laughs> that's a fair comparison. Yes. Yeah. Like like my wife calls it shooting hoopies. So <laughs> that tells you who I had to talk to about that game. So <laughs> and that wasn't even your five year old. <laughs> that's right. That wasn't even my five year old. So lots happened since we had our last podcast. Where would you like to begin? Boy, you know. Uh, Let's kind of jump right in. I, I don't want to so much talk about uh, the games that happened this week so far, you know. But I think uh, just overall matchups. Let's talk about let's talk about the series. Let's talk about our conference finals matchups that we're going to see here pretty soon. Okay, yeah. So uh, to, to anybody again, like I like to say, living under a rock, the Portland Trail Blazers just eliminated the Denver Nuggets in a in a very exciting game seven. And and you know I got to say this. A, I called the series wrong. I'll own that. I have done that a lot this this playoff series, uh, this this playoff season. B, holy smokes, basketball in general has just been good to watch. Uh, and C, what happened to Damian Lillard? I can't believe the Blazers are going on with D Lillard or Dame shooting three of seventeen in a game seven. I would have thought he would have had to have had like the three games of his life for them to move on. Right. And just the fact that they were able to pull together as a team and kind of pull, gut those wins out. They were yes. really tough yeah. wins, you know? He yeah. didn't do them any yeah. favors on the offensive end, and for them to actually come out on the right side of this thing, That's I right. mean, I was pulling for them, you know, 100%, but, you know, I I was kind of being a realist through it, you know? But, you know, for them to gut that uh, – that road win out in Game Seven, uh, you know, my hat's off to them. Yeah, that was an incredible. Uh, and, and again, well, we may be a and little CJ. biased. CJ, CJ's a hero now. CJ's going to be like Portland legend now. So yeah, you can't trade him. So no. prior to this postseason, uh, I I have said this. I don't know about you, but I said this. CJ McCollum, Dave Lillard, trade a big man. Get a three or get a get a four. Get a you know trade McCollum off. I don't think he's a top notch player. I think he's he's probably a little overpaid. I'd like to. Can I take that back? I, I think you can, and I think the big difference between the two is we've seen these times, especially it was talked about in the playoffs, you know, the last couple of years when the Blazers left the playoffs and, like, uh, Damian Lillard didn't have his best series and they, they ended up getting bounced. Now, you know, McCollum didn't have too great of a series when they got bounced last year, but the the big difference being, like, McCollum has been the more consistent player as of late, and not just, like, this particular round. You know, it seems like even... Uh, through you know through the regular season, McCollum's uh, just been that steadier player. He hasn't had too many big waivers in his games. He hasn't had big uh, you know he'll help, you know yeah. Dame will have big scoring outputs, but he'll have a couple of games where he pulls it back in. You know he scores like fourteen or fifteen. McCollum just seems to be that steady plateau, you know, and just does his business. And then he has a few shining bright points like Game Seven. You know that's true. Thirty seven points in Game Seven. So I got to ask you. We all can agree James Harden, even though he's not a true number two, is the best shooting guard in the NBA. Agreed? True. Argument is Clay is number two. Are we to a point where we can put McCollum in that conversation for is he better than Clay? Well, I usually like to play a game called LeBron is number two. But <laughs> <laughs> That's a different number two, my friend. But uh no, I you know, I it's it's close. Yeah. Maybe maybe not there yet, but okay. uh but, uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely showing us some stuff. So I'll say this about him. Every time he had the ball, I kept thinking to myself, oh, what is he doing? And then he would convert. Uh, fourth quarter, there was uh, less than a minute left. They were up by one point. He drew, 
Yeah, one point. I, I want to say one point. He drove in. I, I forget. I think Barton was on him. He uh, no pick and roll. There was no screen at the top. He took him off the dribble. Did a uh, not even a step back. It's just like a pull up off the dribble and hit like a like a twelve footer. God, it was beautiful. Uh, CJ did it time after time, and it was that uh, he would drive it in. He would give him that little bit of a shoulder, uh-huh. create himself some space, and then he had a wide open 15, 16-footer repeatedly through that game. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's his new go-to, man. It's a pretty good shot. So I'll say this. I don't think he's going to age well, though, because that guy has no physique, no lift in his shot. He plays like he's already 30, and he's like 25, 26 years old. So. But, no, see, the thing about those players is like they don't have to overly uh, use themselves up to, to – to just That's use up fair. so much, so much energy and so much, you know, they could actually, you know, stay consistent. They don't have to, they don't have to put themselves out there and kind of put a little extra wear and tear on their bodies by jumping through the roof or whatever, okay. you know, coming down on your legs wrong. It's, they I mean he's just going to be solid. So. That's fair. I got a comp for you because sure. I like to do this. I like to take players who have absolutely nothing in common with somebody from our time and compare them. McCollum Smith. I should probably clarify because there's been a few. Steve Smith. Okay. Well, uh, I like the the smoothness of the game. Mm-hmm. And when you see uh, McCollum putting a crossover dribble on somebody and pulling up the way that he does and just little uh, herky-jerky moves. Like uh, if you guys don't know, Steve Smith, who played so many years for the Heat, for the Hawks, uh, he was a – the big difference in their games is probably size. Blazers. And the Blazers, too. At the uh, end. Yeah. That's not why I know Steve Smith from there. So. <laughs> uh, but uh, Steve Smith, uh, big differences being Smith didn't have quite the outside game McCollum does. He was he was, really? he was a good three-point shooter. Okay. But all those guys back then, you know, uh, he probably averaged, you know, a three-and-a-half a game, you know? Yeah. Uh, he, was, he was a good percentage shooter, but, you know, he, he did most of his work. In mid range, and that's that's what he did. And a lot of cool, tricky inside moves. His nickname was Tricky, so he would uh, he would do a lot of scoring with little nifty moves that you wouldn't think he was going to be able to pull off or even get the shot yeah. off. And he was able to get the ball up. Uh, but the and McCollum is a lot like that when you see him mm-hmm. do his little cut back dribbles, quick yep. pivots, uh, little. Uh, uh, I don't know, little stutter steps that mm-hmm. he does. I mean, it's it's it is pretty pretty reminiscent, but yeah. you know, I mean, the only thing that I would really see that's that big of a discrepancy is just size of player. McCollum, pretty small shooting guard compared to Steve Smith at six foot eight. That's Very true. big that shooting is true. guard. Yeah, Steve Smith for his size should have been a much better player. <laughs> I think that's what I think. I, I, I'm going to ride that. I'm going. That's what I'm interpreting from from what you just said. Uh, so another takeaway from that game, and then we'll move into the actual matchup itself, and we'll talk a little bit about the Warriors matchup and some of the, the key takeaways from their games. Holy smokes. At the at the beginning of this series, uh, actually it wasn't even the beginning of the series. What I'd said was the Nuggets were probably going to uh, fall victim to the Spurs. Uh, again, another thing that I, I failed miserably at this playoff season. Um, when we talked about um, players that – that were supposed to make an impact. We talked about Enos Cantor. Mm-hmm. And I said he had a separated shoulder. It was a brutal first-round series oh, yeah. for him. Brutal. <laughs> separated his shoulder, re-injured it at, at the end of that series. And then they said he's questionable going into the next series. And I said there's no way that he's going to make an impact. I can't imagine him playing the first half of this series. Not only did he play, Enos Cantor became an, an irreplaceable part of that lineup. Enos Cantor showed 
so much more heart than I thought he had to, yeah. to gut through. I mean, he had to have been in so much pain yeah. throughout all that. Yep. When they talked about actually the severity of how separated his shoulder was, I mean, the the fact that he was even, you know, deciding to lace up his shoes and ball up in the first place, man, he he uh, he gutted those games. Out. And you can see, you know, even especially the first couple of games, yeah. he looked like he leveled out uh, as the series kind of went on. But in the first couple of games, you could tell how bad he was wincing. Uh, there was a couple of times where he got uh, he got nailed, whether just, you know, just incidental contact going up for like a rebound or something like that. And you can tell that he wasn't quite right mm-hmm. on his landing. Like mm-hmm. he was getting bothered by, uh, by, uh, by the pain. But uh, man, uh, for, for Enos Cantor, a guy who has been known to be a soft player his entire career to kind of gut these out the Holy way that he smokes, did, man, yeah. I tell you what, man, uh, Maybe he'll uh, get a little better on his uh, on-ball defense this year, and people will stop. <laughs> that's that's the only thing people can say about him at this point. What are they okay. going to say? Like okay. he's, I mean, he's he's. He's been great in, the, in these playoffs, and he's been he's been more consistent than I would have thought that he would be. And I agree, it's been pretty great. So here's here's some things. Um, I thought Jokic was going to just just tear into to Zach Collins and Myers Leonard. We thought Myers Leonard was going to take a little bit more of a predominant role. He had a lot of DMPs this series because uh, I don't know if anybody watched this, but Zach Collins decided to go ahead and make a name for himself. Yeah, this series. Holy smokes, welcome to the rotation, Zach Collins. Uh, you're a blazer now. Well, yeah, I mean, he's proven he's got a shot. He's got some He's got mm-hmm. some good defensive skills and timing. And Yeah, yeah, he, he made an impact. Um, but, but, yeah, at the end of the day, the way Enos Cantor played, hats off. I hope he stays in Portland. More importantly, I hope he sheds whatever uh, defensive liability tags that he has on himself. I, did you have a chance to see some of the, the replay stuff? And I know we did. normally what we do is we talk about some things that we really want to bring up. And I, I kind of uh, dropped the ball on bringing this one up to you, so my apologies. Right. Jokic in the in the four overtime game. Did you see the elbow that he threw into uh, Enos Cantor's shoulder on a free throw? No, it was brutal. So Terry Stotts uh, brought this up to the league. Uh, Enos Cantor retweeted it, uh, the actual video clip. Uh, and, and for uh, m- my apologies to the listeners, uh, you'll have to take the play-by-play as best you can. You'll miss the awesome visualization I'm going to show Jason here. The shot goes up. Jokic winds back his 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 arm across his body, and with all of his might, swings it into uh, Enos Cantor's shoulder. Boom! Into his shoulder as hard as he possibly could. On a free throw while while it was going in, and Cantor was just totally disconnected from the play. That's insane. Dropped him. I mean, he he kept his. He, I, I shouldn't say dropped him. He did stay on his feet, but immediately he he kind of falls down and grasps his shoulder. This man just is playing with a dislocated shoulder, and just because you are too tired to play basketball and you're angry because things aren't going your way, because let's just let's be honest for a minute, Jokic, you had uh, probably the most pathetic second half of the first uh, fourth quarter all the way through for the fourth overtime. You you showed exactly why. Uh, you're you're probably never going to be an MVP um, in that moment right there. Just because you're frustrated, you probably shouldn't have done that to another man. Yeah, that was that's pretty weak. Yeah, that's pretty weak. And and again, anybody go on to Enos Cantor's Twitter page. One, it's highly entertaining, and two, you'll be able to scroll down and you'll be able to see what I'm actually talking about. It was a, it was definitely a questionable move. So that's the last thing I want to talk about the Blazers. I'm going to toss this softball over to you to talk about the Warriors decimating. The Rockets for this uh, Western Conference Finals matchup. Oh boy! You know, 
I, I don't think I could have rooted harder for the uh, the Rockets, mostly just because I want to see a little bit of change. You know what I mean? Sometimes you get tired of the old guard kind of constantly coming through and coming through. But, uh, you know, uh, once again, you know, Mike D'Antoni and those boys fell yeah. short. Uh, it's uh, – um, and it was a shame to see the same thing over and over again. Yep. And by the same thing, I literally mean, let's just keep chucking this ball up here and eventually maybe we'll hit something mm-hmm. because they had no, no other, you know, no ace up their sleeve, no other game plan change. No, it's, it's, it seemed like they didn't make any adjustments and they thought that that was just going to carry them through when that never works in any scenario in playoff basketball. And the team that makes the best adjustments is the team that wins. And the, the fact that it just seemed like the Rockets were just doing the same old thing, just chucking up threes, not running any play. Harden's dribbling it on the perimeter like 20 times before we get mm-hmm. any sort of, uh, you know, there's four seconds left on the clock and maybe they'll make a, you know, a move to try to get a, get a bucket. And it was just, it just gets so tired and so boring and so dull. And, you know, they did not deserve to move on to the next round. So That's true. So here's at, at midway through game five. Uh, at the time, I want to say the the Warriors were up eight points. KD goes down with – at the time, I thought it was going to be an Achilles injury. It looked yeah. pretty – like the way he acted would be how I would act. They got I lucky. I, I seriously thought that he went down with worse than that. The yeah. fact that, you know, I mean, Steph really did – he stepped up quite a he bit to, to get them over the hump. And uh, it's just, just – shows me where the Rockets aren't. Yep. And there's so much hype going into them and the fact that they just cannot close the deal. I mean, if they're going to have to they're going to have to make some huge changes. True. True that. So, yeah, game 6 I really thought that the um the Rockets at home should be able to close out that game against a Warriors team reeling from an injury. Yeah. Steph's not 100%, Clay's not 100%, Durant's out. And although it was a close game, they really just mailed it in. So here's some key takeaways that I have, and this is this is a little bit later. We'll go into the postmortem about some of the teams that are eliminated. But Chris Paul, where were you? I yeah. mean, I know that you kind of had a decent game, but if you're going to jaw to Steph Curry, if you're going to sit there and you're going to yak at Steph Curry, you probably should show up big time and shut your guy down because last I checked, you were supposed to be a an adequate defender, mm-hmm. and and he took you to task. Yeah, it was it was it was kind of ugly to watch too. He couldn't stay in front of him. Mm-hmm. It's like he didn't know that stuff was going to pull up for some of the shots that he pulled mm-hmm. up for. Like you've seen it a million times. There was the closeouts weren't there. You yep. know, uh, uh, was, uh, yeah, yeah. It, well, and, and then you had so you have. Here's the problem: when your number two option, time after time, has to be Eric Gordon off the bench. You have a severe problem. James uh, James Harden showed that he's just going to keep shooting the ball the way he wants, and if it goes in, great. And now earlier in the season, we talked about why we didn't think James Harden was an MVP candidate. Remember this? And mm-hmm. we said it's because he does that step back three, and sure he can he can get points, but he's not like a winner. He's just going to shoot the ball, shoot the ball, and it doesn't he doesn't care at the end of the day if he went five for seventeen or if he went eleven for seventeen, as long as thirty points were scored, right? Right. And that was what he showed in this playoff series again. He doesn't have that next year. Like Steph Curry, KD goes down. Clay had been struggling. Steph went to town, right? And, and yep. again, against a former All NBA point guard guarding him. And again, Chris Paul, shell of his former self, in my opinion. I don't know if anybody else agrees, but he took he took him to task. Opened things up for Clay. Clay starts opening. You know, a thirty point game and a twenty something point game. Clay comes back to life. 
Draymond, uh, or <clears throat> sorry, Draymond ends up having his um, Draymond type, you know, right. triple single type of <laughs> game that, 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 that we, we he had that we, some triple doubles in this series. So <laughs> you know, nine, little, nine, I don't I don't have to give him credit either, but it's the, fine. the nine 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 should be the Draymond Green, right? <laughs> Uh, I, the Rockets let me down. I, I wanted, you know, at the beginning of the series, we called them in six because they were playing so hot. And again, there was a lot of warrior hate that we have that we just wanted to see the Rockets because they seemed like the best bet. And they played them tit for tat really well. There was a, a two point game and a three point game in the series where it just went the, the Warriors' way. You know when I knew things were going to go sideways? Sad. It was after, it was after the, the game one where they felt that they were robbed. On the Steph Curry should have fouled out, and then James Harden should have been fouled on the three. Yeah, and then they made a big deal about it and they cried about it. In that moment, I went, "Oh, they don't have the heart." This is what you're gonna do. Yeah, this is you. I wish I could take back my prediction. Game one, I would have immediately changed it because you guys honestly are playing like that Clippers team. Uh, remember the the Donald Sterling drama Clippers right. team where all they could do is complain about mm-hmm. just different things that season. That's what they were playing like, and I I, I put the I put one hundred percent fault on CP three. Yeah, you you need to definitely just expect them to come out and just take the loss yep. and then move forward because you can't do anything else. You're not gonna. You're not going to win any favor from anybody. Nope. It's not going to do anybody any favors. It's just, it just, it just a bad look for your team. And those guys leaving with those kind of sour grapes mm-hmm. instead of just, you know, putting that effort into actually, you know, let's get, let's like execute our game plan and actually do what we're supposed to do here yeah. instead of, you know, spend our time just jawing. Yeah, he should have been fouled out. We shouldn't have lost. Well, you did lose, and he didn't foul out. So guess what you can do? Mm-hmm. You can regroup and you can come out. Yeah, that game's uh, done. Let's move on. That's right. Game seven, or not Not game seven, game six, you guys didn't even you guys didn't even play like this was an elimination game. You played like it was game one. Yeah. There was, there was no urgency. And I get that there were moments in which the, the Rockets played exceptionally well. But there were more moments where they played as if they had a tomorrow. Eh, not a big fan. So what that means is Blazers, Blazers versus Warriors, <sighs> conference finals for the Western. Uh, I said that totally wrong. The Western Conference Finals, <laughs> Blazers, <laughs> Blazers versus Warriors. We're here Warriors. for the finals for the West. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how awful I can make that sound. Uh, so things that we need to be paying attention to. KD should be back, but... I believe he'll be a little hampered with that injury. I, I don't think it's a a, a, a deal breaker. Uh, game seven, Rodney Hood hyperextended his knee. He's probably going to miss some time or be extremely limited for this series. They're saying DeMarcus Cousins, who shout out to DeMarcus Cousins if this is true, because I'll tell you, holy smokes, he's going to make a return this series. Yeah, when I heard that, that's that was a big, big shock. That Especially, was. you know, he's got a chance of kind of compromising his future should something else happen too, make things kind of worse for him than they already are with this look. So that's right. You know, I hope it works for him. I've always liked Boogie. So uh, yeah, ugh, let's let's see. Yeah, even if he doesn't come back to play like more than twenty minutes a game, good for him to show that he's back to playing. Right. So that anybody who does have a vested interest into making him an offer won't be you know that hesitant they'll be able to say hey he did make a comeback you know he was in limited experience in the in the western conference finals and if they go on to the eastern or the the nba finals you know he'll probably have a little bit more time well but i can guarantee he's probably not going to play 20 minutes a game uh but uh you know it's it's going to be really it's going to make the the matchup a lot more interesting yeah um 
Blaze, the Blazers have been kind of really overachieving here, and really we've all been counting them out. And we're I, naturally, I kind of want to lean towards the Warriors for this series for obvious reasons. You know, mm-hmm. now I'm just wondering, am I going to be wrong again? Like, so, <laughs> so here's my here, here's my stance on this because I'm glad you said that. I have been against the Blazers, right? So I said that they were going to lose. And then I said, I said that they, it was a matchup issue right. for the first one. Had I known the matchup would have shaken the way that it would have, I wouldn't have said that they were going to lose. I thought they were going to go against the Jazz. Right. I said they were going to be we lose have against the Jazz, right? right? And then I said, well, uh, they can't beat the Nuggets. Well, guess what? They clearly got out of the first round, although it was against a team I would have been accurate about. Had I known, I digress. They beat the Nuggets, in which I said that they were going to lose. The Warriors. I said the Warriors were going to lose against the Rockets. That was clearly wrong. So the only thing I can do in good faith is to say the Warriors will win. <laughs> let's do that. Actually, yes. Let's go for that. Yes. Warriors all the way. Yes. So the Warriors are clearly going to – I mean, they're clearly the favorites. But, uh, again, I mean, we said this from the beginning. They have way too much firepower. The only thing that can hurt them is if they play against somebody who just doesn't care. The the Blazers play like they just don't care who's in front of them. They're going to play as hard as they possibly can. They're going to score as many points and play as tough defense and get as many rebounds as they can. They don't care about the the refs. They don't care about about any of the drama. Although I will say game six against the Nuggets, some players got into a scrap. Kind of caught me off guard. I didn't think the I didn't think I'd see that out of the Blazers. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, that series got really chippy. It did. It did. So I will say the Blazers are riding high while the Warriors are kind of limping in. Did so. you see all the stuff ta- about uh, like the the papers in Denver and all the articles that are being written about? Uh, I mean, it wasn't just like the players kind of going at it, having this hard nosed grit. Like you, I was seeing all these articles about uh, just the the writers for the teams, you know, for the, the, the Denver Post or whoever. And they were just kind of really just where the newspapers are start talking all of this smack. It was it was like they were really building this rivalry up. And I think it's actually going to be uh, uh, quite a rivalry in the, the years to come, too, with the, the way the media was even handling the series. So both teams. I will say this: They're not on their way out, right? The window's not closing on either one no, of these teams, no, no. so I could see them having having one or two, three more conflicts in the playoffs over the next few years. While while uh, you know they, they they ramp up, I don't see any of the big pieces leaving Denver, and I, I see you know this this Portland team's pretty static. I don't I don't see a lot of changes coming from them. No. So that's it for the Western Conference. We clearly think the Warriors are more talented. We clearly absolutely love the Blazers. And, you know, I love my firstborn. I would consider, now that he's getting close to turning 18, to trade him to see the Warriors lose. Uh, it would depend on some of the ancillary items <laughs> in that trade. But uh, but that is where we stand for the Western Conference Finals. Oh, my God. The Eastern Conference Finals, a whole different bag. It is going to be very interesting. You know, it's still up in the air right now, but right now we're looking at the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes. We're looking at the Milwaukee Bucks right now. Uh, as we look at our score, we are at the, actually at halftime, and it is forty to forty-four with Philly ahead of Toronto, or actually Toronto ahead of Philly. And apparently, my eyes aren't working. <laughs> All right, <laughs> but you know, what do you think, man? I think, I think I like Toronto to finish this game out to close the series out. They. Uh, they've been really, really good this this postseason, and. So especially, you know, the the guy that I don't know if we're gonna have sort of a sort of a mixed uh, sports t- 
talk person uh, athlete relationship where I I like him as a player a whole lot and what he's doing, but he hurt my team really really bad <laughs> kind of relationship was it going on in the future? But I'm I'm trying to push past everything to see how good Toronto is looking, and I they they have my hat to make it through to the finals. Yeah, I, I'm still riding that wagon. I said it. I, I want to say February March. I was I was saying that they they were the team to beat out of the East. I'm disappointed that this is a game seven. It shouldn't have been. But, I mean, there's a lot of weapons on that Philly team. There is. And it, I, I, really, I really couldn't see them getting walked over too bad with that much talent, especially yeah. that much talent on the offensive end. Uh, and the, the fact that uh, the Raptors are actually able to kind of put a little bit of a stranglehold on that offense as, it, as it's looking. I mean, it's... it's yeah. It's what they can do. I mean, they can't they're it's uh, Philly's a hard team to kind of outshoot and to out firepower and they're going to have to like what they're doing play some really really good defense to actually yep. move on. So I'll, I'll say this about the 76ers, it's Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde. Um, you know, who are you getting in this matchup? That that's really what it comes down to. Joel Embiid tonight for instance through through two quarters, 2 for 10. Um he, he he's playing, you know, 6 points. Uh, three rebounds. He's playing pathetically. This is who the 76ers are about half of the time. It's not like uh, uh, you're going to get a good output and, and, and sometimes you'll beat them, sometimes you won't. When they're playing the way that they're capable of playing, they seem almost unbeatable. Jimmy Butler, you have Redick raining threes, you have Ben Simmons creating fast break opportunities in the open court, and they just seem like, holy smokes, how are we ever going to catch our breath? And then there's other games where it seems like Ben Simmons never has a, has a fast break, and Joel Embiid shoots 20% on 10 shots through through two quarters. The fact that it's only a four-point game right now, uh, th- that baffles me. Um, but but this is exactly what the 76ers have been the entire playoffs. You just, it's, a, it's a roll of the dice. Are you getting the good of Joel Embiid or the bad? Are you getting the Ben Simmons who's going to— Who's going to uh, open up the court? Or are you getting the one who's not going to ever take a shot? Is is JJ Redick going to drop those threes on you, or is he going to shoot the ball like you would in the NBA? No right. offense, I mean, <laughs> just saying. Well, part of it too, especially with Philly, is they depend on a lot of really young guys who aren't that mature yet, yeah. who don't have that experience, who haven't made this kind of a drive into the playoffs. That I mean, uh, they have the tools, but it's a matter of just following through when they need to, and they're not doing it yet. Though so, I mean, they're. They're getting to Game 7 against Toronto, a very, very, very good team. Yeah. But expectations for Philadelphia was to do a little bit more than that. Yeah, I think Jalen Rose called them the team team that that was going to advance to the finals. Exactly. They were, I mean. Yeah. And a lot of people after the Tobias Harris trade and after the Jimmy Butler trade said, hey, this is a four-star team, right? Well, hands down, the best starting five in, in the, the NBA, in, that's well in the West. No, and, mm, uh, they were going to say it in the league. Well, I, I don't know. The, you, you, you know, the, the when Drew, when Cousins is healthy, and you have the five yeah. All NBA Warriors. Yeah. So the, yeah, but out of the East, for sure, the second best in the entire NBA. And if you take in injuries into consideration, possibly, um, you know, a, a stronger starting five than the Warriors. But for all intents and purposes, the most inconsistent of all teams in the playoffs. Yeah, by far. They, they're they really, really up and down. And I think once they get to that point where they can find that consistency, I mean, they're going to be the team to beat. The only problem is is that team's probably not going to be together by the time That's true. they would have to do that. So, Am I crazy? But have you seen all this talk about the Ben Simmons? Like, we need to trade Ben Simmons 
yeah. talk that's coming out. Like, uh, am I crazy to think that that I wouldn't want Ben Simmons on my team? Like, like, you, go ahead and give him the five year two hundred million. I'm not gonna be the guy that does that. I'm still not sold on a guy leading a team that literally can't shoot. That's right. Not one, not even can't. What? And yeah. won't. It, this guy it's, won't it's, shoot the ball. It's, it's it's kind of crazy considering how do you get so far and like where you're not even comfortable taking like you know 15, 17 foot jumpers like free throw line extended something yep. like that. I mean that's basic basketball. They leave him wide open from there and they sink clear under the hoop that's and they right. give him free throw that's shots. Right. Like like that's that's my bread and butter when I play. Like that's, that's right. <laughs> I well I, I can speak I can speak volumes to this because when we played basketball. More than like two on two, and and it was like either I'm shooting or the other guy's shooting, but we'd play like like uh, especially in Myrtle Point or something when we had the, the full court five on five teams that we right. play. I would shoot maybe once a game because a I knew that wasn't my strong uh, suit, and b I didn't want people looking at me shooting the ball and clearly recognizing the fact that I had no shooting ability whatsoever. But here's the thing: that was open gym. In Myrtle Point, Oregon, not the NBA. I have no idea how he got away with this. It's it's pretty crazy, especially in this day and age when the whole game is shooting. That's right. And I mean, he's, he's got to do something. He's got to figure it out. Otherwise, uh, he's not going to get that big big money. And if he mm-hmm. does, that team is going to pay for it in the long run. Yeah. When, when most people are like, "Hey, can you shoot forty percent from three? And you're like, "Hey, I can't shoot four percent from three. That's a clear problem. Change position or learn how to shoot. Because yeah. again, y- your statistics make sense if you're a power forward. So if you're a power forward in 1988, <laughs> <laughs> so all this all this talk, uh, you know, it's up in the air on if the the, the Toronto Raptors are going to be able to close this out. And you know, at the end of the podcast, we'll give one more final update. I still believe it's going to be the Raptors in this, but the one team that we do know is in is the Gentleman Sweep team themselves. The Milwaukee, I want to call them the Buccaneers, but I know it's just Bucks. Yeah, that's all I got. The Milwaukee Bucks, the Bucks, man. I tell you what, um, I had no idea they were going to come on like they did this year, and to nab the number one uh, overall seed, to to make it this far into the playoffs, and to look as dominant as they have while doing it, I mean, they. They are on their way. I, I don't know. I just – I'm not totally sold on whether I pick them over uh, Toronto. Uh, if Philly can gut this out, maybe. But uh, I, I don't know if they're going to take the East this year, but I think they're going to make it one of the best series of the entire playoffs. So let me ask you a question. Who is this, the, the end-all, be-all, the focal point, the guy that everything runs through in Milwaukee? That's Giannis. Who is going to guard Giannis if Toronto moves on to the Eastern Conference Finals? That is going to be Mr. Kawhi Leonard. Who is quite possibly the best defender left in the NBA playoffs? That is Mr. Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> so if, 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 you, if you'll indulge me here for a moment, I believe Kawhi can limit Giannis in, in, in the way that nobody else in the playoffs can limit him. Well, that's true. And if you limit Giannis, you're going to put the onus on who? On Chris Middleton, on uh, Brogdon, Le- on Brogdon, on yep. Bledsoe. And I don't see 
that that those three players will be better. Miritich. Yeah, and I I don't like. Let's just say Giannis and Kawhi cancel each other out, which I still think Kawhi is a better player, and he's more mature and he understands the game. And more importantly, he has the playoff experience to know exactly what pace he's playing at mm-hmm. during these games. Would you take Kyle Lowry? Pascal Siakam and Marcus Saul over Chris Middleton, Matthew Brogdon, and Eric Bledsoe? Because I would. Yeah, I probably would. But here's the thing. The Bucks have this kind of synergy when they're kind of out and running, and they they play with so much energy together. And that team where, yes, Toronto's got some very long, very tall players, like uh, Milwaukee, they're, they're guys like – they all look so like it's one of the biggest starting lineups. They're big. And and not just like they have one big guy, but like in the in you know, aside from the one spot, I mean I mean they're they're really long, really really tough defenders. I still kind of if if they match up against Toronto, I'd still kinda of throw my hat to Toronto. Yep. But Milwaukee is not gonna make things easy at all. Yeah. So I'd have Toronto and six on that series. But what I do want to talk about is how the Bucks completely destroyed the Boston Celtics. Now that wasn't even that was that was so ugly. I want to apologize to the listeners. The last podcast we had, I made a terrible prediction. I said that it was <laughs> I said it was going to be the Bucks in six. Turned out it was the Bucks in five. I I am ashamed. Oops. That I gave the Celtics that much credit. Right. The first game happened, and everybody, everybody on ESPN, everybody on the interwebs, Napster machine, they were talking crazy, right? <laughs> they were saying how the Celtics had figured it out, and this was the team to beat. No, if you looked at it, the Warriors—I mean, not the Warriors—I'm sorry, the 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 Bucks just just shot poorly. Yeah. It, there was no like we talked about like what the Celtics needed to do to win this series, and we said it was going to be a lot of confusing defensive uh, schemes that had to get Giannis out of his out of his game. Right, so you had to take Hayward out, put him on the bench, and bury him and hide him somewhere. And you had to rotate a lot of Jalen Browns and a lot of Jason Tatum's and Al Horford's, uh, and you had to screen him a lot. You had to run the offense through whoever he was on through two or three picks every series That's to right. wear him out. You know what they didn't do any of that. Right. <laughs> what they did was they said, here, Kyrie, here's the ball. Do yeah. exactly what you want. Just and Giannis got, Yeah, and Giannis got to stand in the corner, off ball, hands on his knees, resting every defensive possession so that every time he came down, he could destroy you because he was at full energy in that fourth quarter. Not only that, in game after game four, it was the most incredible thing was hearing Kyrie Irving say, you know what? I, I game took, five. Yeah. It was the game five? Yeah, it, was the, it was the end of the game, series. Right? No. No. It, it was before, it was before game oh, okay. five. Okay. He was they he was they were talking about the game for a loss and he was just saying, Well, you know, next game I just gonna come out and shoot more. Yeah. After oh. after he shot like uh, <laughs> what was it? I, I can't even remember. It was it was a very poor percentage of like, you know, seven for twenty two or yeah. something like that. He or, shot yeah, he shot. And he said he said he needed to shoot thirty series. next game. Yeah. He said he needed to shoot thirty times, he didn't shoot enough. That's what like, the team needs from me is what he said. Yeah. That is not what the team needs from you. No. You know what they need from their point guard leader? They need somebody who's going to trust Tatum to make shots, trust Brown to make shots, trust uh, 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 Al Horford to make shots. Especially Al Horford. My gosh. Embarrassing. It was embarrassing. And it seemed like the worse he played, the more he shot. Like he was just going to prove to the world that he was a superstar. It's a performance – Excuse that. It's a performance that actually made no sense to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand. And that's another. That's another thing where it felt like, uh, you know, 
Jeez. Excuse my NBA news that keeps ringing in. Yeah. Big stuff happening in the NBA. We do want to give you an update. <laughs> but it's, it's like Brad Stevens, who is this the, the coach with the master plan. You know, he was the guy who was supposed to be one of the smartest young coaches coming into this season that everybody was raving about. And they failed to, again, that you know, with a with a coach with a good head on his shoulders, didn't make the kind of adjustments that made any sort of impact to the series, and to to not have that kind of an impact as that you know that big of a coach, that big of a, a name as a coach that he wants to. I mean, I don't know if he really wants. Right, him, so. I know. I know but what it's you're like, saying, like everybody was hype. everybody was building it up so big, and the fact that the. The minor adjustments that were made, a few defensive switches that they that they had as the series went on, didn't really have any sort of bearing or impact, and it was just kind of a just kind of a bummer, you know. I was expecting a whole lot more out of that Celtics team from this year. So here's what here's what here's what I think about the Celtics. Kyrie gone, absolutely. He played like he was somebody. He played like he was, he already left. He played yeah. like he already left. Brad Stevens can't bench Kyrie Irving, and here's why: he doesn't have. That currency with Danny Ainge. If he would have benched Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving leaves in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Kyrie points to that playoff series and says, when Brad Stevens put me on the bench during the most crucial moments of that game, that's when I knew this wasn't my team. And Danny Ainge puts the blame on Brad Stevens. Totally erroneous and totally wrong, but that's how it plays. Brad Stevens didn't have the juice to do that. Even with Danny Ainge laid up, worse than you, in the hospital with a heart attack, I don't know if you heard that. Yeah. He had a heart attack in Milwaukee, probably because he thought, oh, my God, what have I done putting this team together? But he has a heart attack in Milwaukee. Brad Stevens still doesn't have the juice to put Kyrie Irving in check. And that's the problem. Last year, you saw Brad Stevens coach a bunch of young players who had no currency with that team. He could bench whoever he wanted. He could change the lineup however he wanted. And he could play real basketball the way that that team was designed to play. With Kyrie, it's all about will you come back to us? Will you come back to us? And he held that team hostage so that Brad Stevens couldn't coach. I don't put this on Brad Stevens. I put this completely on Kyrie Irving. And his pending free agency. Yeah, well, I mean, fact of the matter is, is Kyrie Irving is... Sucks? <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> that? That's pretty nice and blunt, and that about covers yeah. it, I okay. think. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I agree. Um, so one of the things that we like to do is we like to take a post-mortem at some of the playoffs. So now that we know where we're going to stand with some of these, uh, some of the, the conference finals teams, and again, we'll do a, a, a quick recap on the on the uh, Raptors 76ers game and talk about either one of those teams at the end as, yeah, we, as, we, as we get to see that going. But the first team, as we kind of start, already started just talking about, is the Celtics and what's next. Now, Kyrie's future has been up in the air. There's been a lot of conversations. Is, is he a Nick? Is he a Net? Will he come back to the Celtics? Here's one for you, and and this is the one that I'm actually going. I'm signing up for it. I'm co-signing. Okay. It. If there's a place I can put my name on this bill, I'm going to put it on there. <laughs> Kyrie Irving is extremely interested in joining the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm on board with this idea, and I think it's going to happen. I can see the possibility of it happening. The money works out, players work out, and it looks like it's going to be. It would be. It would be good for both teams, and I know that that's when LeBron and Kyrie were at their most successful. Yep. Uh, well, not technically LeBron. LeBron was with the Heat, probably his most successful. But Kyrie is most Phil. successful. Um, but I guess if you ask LeBron, it'll be his uh, that big comeback in the finals will be his biggest success. Well, you know, it's what but, made him the greatest player but, in the history well, no, of basketball. That's, that's right. I totally forgot. Uh, but uh, 
Yeah, I just I don't think. Sorry. No, it's, yeah. So so here's here's what I think, right? So so Kyrie and and Kevin Durant were talking about being able to to, to join forces, and, and they were talking about New York. They were talking about Brooklyn. I'm sure whatever wink wink conversations. Kyrie Irving flamed out in the playoffs. Kevin Durant is limping through this playoff series. I think at some point Kevin Durant's looking around saying, "You know what? I didn't realize." I didn't realize this became my team. I still thought it was Steph's team. This has become my Warriors team. I don't need to leave now because everything that I accomplished from here on out is mine, which leaves Kyrie Irving holding the bag, so to speak. Well, Kyrie Irving's got a lot of a lot of stuff to to kind of think about in this offseason. I don't think that I don't think that he's going to get get the uh, the accompaniment of players he wants to join him over there in LA, mm-hmm. and should it be him ending up in New York, uh, I think that's probably. If I were to guess where he might go, I think that's where I would probably end up leaning because that would he would have the biggest supporting cast, and I would take KD over LeBron James at this point. Agreed. I think it's contingent. Uh, I'll give you that. It's contingent on Kevin Durant staying. True. So I'm now on the I'm now on the uh, on the wagon of Kevin you think Durant. Kevin Durant's going to stay? I think Kevin Durant is now convincing himself that he needs to stay in Golden State because this is his team. Where the whole thing before was I'm going to leave and prove that I'm going to go take over my own team. You know what? He's looking around. He's saying this is my team. Steph Curry, 31 years old, 32 next year. He's he's in decline. Nobody's talking about how great he is. Clay Thompson's struggling. Get Draymond Green off my team, and we're we're, we're going to talk business. I think that's where they're at. Bring back Cousins, bring and, and I'll sign myself a five-year or four-plus-one four or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he could one. definitely come back under those circumstances. Yeah. Should they – I mean, it's a lot of that's going to also depend on what Clay decides to do. Oh, Clay's, he, Clay's money is going to be – Clay's a warrior. Clay, well, Clay wants Clay wants money, and it's fake he money wants max point, money. Well, it's fake money. You're already over the cap. What are you going to do? So, you know what? You pay him $30 million, you pay him $20 million. You're over the cap for five years anyways. You're paying Steph Curry $50 million at the end of his deal. Who cares? Yeah. They, already, they already said we want Steph and Clay to be Warriors forever. They're, at this point, they've said for the next four years we're going to be over the cap and we don't care. Pay them whatever fake money they want. So it, it, Yeah, they could afford it there in San Francisco. So. <laughs> exactly. Uh, maybe not in Oakland, which is why they're moving. So Kevin Durant staying means Kyrie Irving has two choices. Go to a crap team where there's nobody there, and you're going to have an even worse situation in Boston. Um, resi- well, I guess he's got three options. Resign with Boston, which is something you've clearly proven you don't want to do. Or go back out to L.A. You like L.A., right? Go out to L.A. and play with your boy LeBron. Yeah. I, and I know, mean that in a, it's, in a, it's in one a, of those in a nice term, <laughs> not in a derogatory Phil Jackson right. <laughs> type of term, right? Like friend is what I meant to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I... I, I I like that in the end of the day, and I like I like that uh, kind of reunion story. I think yeah. it also I think it would be good for the league. I just I can't sign my name to that line and 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 say that that deal would actually happen. I'm riding it, and here's here, here's here's why else I'm co-signing it. And this will be the last last. All right, this is a lie. I'm going to talk Lakers more through this podcast. AD trade to the Lakers with a Kyrie signing. Kyrie AD best friends LeBron. The, the big brother well, to of, both of them. Of are, course. I mean, but we have to also think about the fact that most of the news coming out of L.A. is not sunshine and rainbows. It's talking about, you know, people possibly just throwing in the towel with all of this that's stuff. That's true. Because, 
it's but, but, it's okay. just going to be too much baggage. I think at so, one point. But but again, some of that news that's coming out, and, and I was I was I was sandbagging this, but I'm going to go ahead and shoot it now. I'm going to go ahead and load that load that bullet. Ty Lue's offer. They didn't want to like tell Ty Lue, no, we're not going to give you a contract because you're LeBron. Uh, you're LeBron's pick, right? right? You're LeBron's coach. He wants you here. We're going to offer you the same contract. We're going to offer everybody else. Bring Jay Kidd on as an assistant. We'll give you three at 18. And, of course, Ty Lue was offended because he still owed $10 million he's going to have to forfeit if he signs any kind of contract. Out of Cleveland, he's like, no, I'll sit out and still make more money than what you're paying me. Thanks, but no thanks. And they go, oh, thank goodness. We'll wipe our hands. We'll bring in Vogel, right? Ty Lue and Kyrie Irving hate each other. Kyrie Irving will never play with Ty Lue. So they have all these incentives to not bring Ty Lue on as a head coach because it means that Kyrie Irving won't come in and play for Ty Lue, period. Now they bring in Vogel, neutral, right? You have no problem. This guy's a two-year placeholder before Jason Kidd takes over as the head coach anyways, and both uh, LeBron and Kyrie at that point will probably play for the guy because who cares? Well, yeah, that, that's that's also really hard for me to take too. Frank Vogel, really good coach with with Indiana, very very good track record. Made it to the Eastern Conference you, Finals a give couple him times. Credit for what he did in Sacramento with nothing. Yeah, it's it's like uh, he's just this temporary placeholder. Yeah, who know? Then that's you know, notwithstanding, what if he ends up doing an incredible bang up job and he's still, I mean, still basically the writing is on the wall for you. And I don't like any of that. So, yeah, I will say whatever's happening to Frank Vogel is his own doing, because if I remember correctly, wasn't he the Memphis Grizzlies coach who stood them up so he could leave? I'm pretty sure he, he completely hosed the Memphis Grizzlies on his way out. I'll do some research for the next podcast to talk, to have some Vogel talk, but I will say he did some dirty work himself maybe that's a perfect fit for lebron james <laughs> hey, uh, the, there you go so so the next thing that we need to talk about for the celtics outside of the Kyrie future is how they're going to do some re-signs now tatum's still on a rookie deal Jalen brown's got an option for a rookie deal i'm sure they're going to pick up horford's going to be on contract for one more season so they're kind of they're kind of hosed on cap space when it comes to uh going out and signing a big name but one name that they do have to figure out is terry rosier so if Kyrie walks what are you doing in danny age's shoes when it comes to your backup point guard. You know, they're going to have to do what they can to make sure that they actually make him pretty happy because Terry Rozier, not your quintessential backup point guard in this league, he's, he's a starter for most teams, and he's a hard-nosed, gritty player who actually has quite the nice outside shot. He has has a bit of an inside game, good passer. He... Mm-hmm. He's the, that guard's position is going to depend on whether they are smart enough to to work their numbers in a way to actually keep Terry Rozier happy, and they aren't going to be able to lowball him. They're going to have to actually give him a pretty decent deal coming up. It's got to be bigger than Marcus Smart's deal, yeah. for sure. It, they can't do what they did to Marcus, which yeah. was we're gonna we're gonna bank on the fact that nobody's gonna offer you a contract. No, I think, I think Rozier. They're definitely not gonna be able to bank on that. People are gonna be offering Rozier contracts left and right. I think he could have broke out this year if it wasn't for Kyrie mm-hmm. holding him back. No, if he if he got the same playing time he had last season, he yep. would he would be uh, darn near a twenty and ten guy. I, I, he very well very well could have been. So another another talking point that has been. Um, Brought back up, it was you know around the trade deadline. There was a lot of can we get Anthony Davis? Well, maybe at the end of the season because of this whole contract. Again, quick contract nonsense for the listeners. Um, you're only allowed one supermax deal uh, on a resign from a rookie contract, right? So uh, if you're on a rookie contract and you make MVP or All NBA, you're allowed to sign a special 
bigger payout deal than you would normally as a rookie. Uh, but the teams are only allowed to do that and, and have only one of those on their books at one time. Right. Kyrie Irving signed one of those and then got traded to the Celtics, and this is the last year of that super rookie deal. Uh, Anthony Davis on that same super rookie deal which prevented him from being traded during the, the trade deadline. So so it would have been illegal to trade him. Right. And they said, well, we'll give you this amazing package at the end of the offseason. Well, now that Kyrie looks like he's on his way out, they're still talking about Anthony Davis maybe being a possibility to come to play in Boston for a trade package centered around Jason Tatum. Is that, from Danny Ainge's point of view, from a Celtics point of view, from a common sense point of view, is that is that real? I don't know, man. It doesn't seem like it. It seems like they're they're going to be ending up paying way too much for 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 talent that is not going to get them where they need to be, especially as a Celtics organization with a storied history of winning. You know, they're going to they they miss that sweet spot, I think, where a team can have uh a good number of players who are still on their their young rookie deals have their max guys and still, you know, uh, the Seventy Sixers did this. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Like, hey, we got big. We got big money coming in one and two years. Let's get as much old money on the books as we can. Yeah, and you just they're they're going to get to the they're at that point now mm-hmm. where they're going to have to start shelling out for these these low 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 contracts that were overperforming to yep. be quite. Uh, uh, forthcoming with it there these 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 young celtics they really did a whole lot better than a lot of people were thinking they were going to and they bolstered this the the celts to one of the best teams mm-hmm. in the east for the last three years but those three years and those rookie deals are coming to an end and they are not going to be able to afford these guys right. it's going to be getting to the point where they're paying you know uh for some of their mid-level talent, you know, somewhere between fifteen and close to twenty million right. a year, and then getting up to thirty and forty for some of them, and they're not going to be able to to hang on to people, and they're going to be having to work that same building cycle all over again. That's right. Horford's going to fall off um, the year after next, but then you have Jalen Brown. After that, you have Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they definitely won't have that cap luxury that some of these other teams get to talk about because they're going to have a lot of those mid-teens to, to mid-20 rookie deals um, coming into to fruition. So if you had to put a percentage on it, AD, some kind of crazy trade involving Jason Tatum, going regardless of what happens with Kyrie to the Celtics, his chances of being in green next year is what? Uh, especially with uh, if we have Kyrie leaving town and mm-hmm. a lot of other things coming, I'd say we're probably you know, I'd give it a good sixty-five, seventy-five. Do you think he's seventy-five percent chance he's going to be a Celtic? Yeah. Okay. I have it at like twenty percent chance. You think so? Celtic. Yeah. I think I think they want just want to move on from AD. That you talking about the Pelicans? I'm talking about the Pelicans. I just think David Griffith is gonna is gonna play home run ball with the with the. With the with the the three players plus the, all the draft picks, and, and I just I just don't see Danny Ainge saying I'm gonna I'm gonna give you Jason Tatum now that Kyrie's gone. Yeah, I'll give you Jalen Brown. Marcus we'll cut Smart. it to like fifty. Okay. <laughs> if Jason Tatum's involved, the Pelicans do it. Jason, I just, Ta- Jason Tatum is such a good bargaining chip, and that is. he is that is young talent you definitely want under any like to get on your team under any circumstance. Let's role play for a second. You be Danny Ainge. I'll be David Griffith for the Pelicans. Offer me Danny Ainge. Offer me. Uh, I'm Danny. sorry. <laughs> Offer me Jason Tatum. Done. What do you want? Done. What do you want? Done. Here's Anthony Davis. I'll sign it. I just don't see Danny Ainge doing that. Uh, but then again, who knows? He's got some kind of algorithm, I'm sure, mm-hmm. on on talent. So the next team that we should probably be talking about 
is is the disaster and da- well not Dallas the disaster in Texas yes a little uh, south of Dallas there was a problem yeah. <laughs> well done my friend Houston we do in fact have multiple problems let's talk about the post mortem uh, we talked about how how they didn't show up so here's some real big problems that. Part of the reason why they didn't win is a lack of depth that they had last year that, that they certainly missed, right? Mbaamute. They missed him, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they replaced um, some of their backcourt depth with Austin Rivers, who was on a veteran minimum deal because he got a buyout. That guy's not on a buyout anymore. He's going to go out and get some Austin Rivers money, which means that uh, they don't own er, they don't own any bird rights for him. I thought, I thought that Austin that Austin Rivers money was that vet minimum. Ah, well played. I was thinking more like that nine million dollar money, but uh, Austin Rivers on his way out. They don't have any depth. Here's what scares me: they're capped out for the next three years. James Harden on a monster deal. He earned it. He's worth it. Okay? We can agree to that. CP3? CP3. CP3 is on the downswing. And, you know, he he can still get you his... That that was the problem was these these playoffs he got you his averages you know his what I mean fake averages so they, so they can't yeah right playing everything's inflated when you're playing on the Rockets so you're you're getting these these numbers on a, on a pretty okay basis but it's not it's not getting them over the hump and it wasn't winning them it wasn't winning them games it wasn't winning them important games mm-hmm. and it was just uh, you know where we talk about you know empty stats I mean we never heard any like. You know, Chris Paul is is setting the the league on fire once again this year. Talk it just didn't happen. You know what I heard a lot? Chris Paul's missing some games this year. Yeah, that's what I heard over and over again. And then when he did play, he fake played good. It's like <laughs> it's just good. like like when you're getting points or assists off James Harden destroying people with that stupid goofy step back. It's he's hiding the fact that your skills have diminished so much. You're not an all-NBA player anymore. You're not an all-star anymore. You're a guy for the next three years making 30-plus million dollars, close to $40 million, yeah. crushing the cap, making it so that you're an untradeable asset until that last year of your deal, and you don't have the skills to back up how much you're asking. Right. Well, I mean, on the bright side, at least we all know which insurance company we should probably stay away from these Oh, days. and that's the other thing. Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan made better commercials with you than without, my friend. <laughs> I'm not even that interested in what you have to say on that commercial. So, kudos to that. So CP3, Harden, Capella, Eric Gordon for the next year. He, he, he's part of next season as well, making $18 million. This roster's basically stuck. They're going to be less than they were this year. How do they win without being able to acquire talent? Because they're capped out and they don't have draft picks to acquire the talent. But they don't. They're worse next year. Am I they wrong? are. They are going to be falling off significantly, and I think they'll be in the bottom tier when the playoffs come around next year. It's th- their future is looking grim, and they kind of they kind of sold it all down the river, you know. And they they got themselves in a spot where I mean, unless they can work some sort of contract miracles in this off season, they're going to be they're going to be hard pressed to. I mean, they're not. They're gonna they're gonna fall down. I would say they'll be lucky to be in the bottom half. Of yeah. the playoffs next year. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you with that. Um, without without having a team, I mean, we saw what just you know having Harden in the beginning of this year did to that team. You know what I mean? And if they lose a few more key spots, Chris Paul falls off a little bit more. If they're which uh, will happen, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, 
their their season's going to go quite a bit like the first half of the season wins, I think. Agreed. I think it's not a stretch to say that, uh, you know, this was the Rockets. And I'd said this in a conversation with another person before. Um, this was the Rockets' last chance to win. Their, their window is officially closed now. Had they won and they went into the finals or even they won the finals, they could have patchworked this team because at that point you're going to attract every uh, ring seeker there is on a veteran minimum right. deal. And, and you're going to be able to sign them, bring them back on, and, and patch together another season. But that's it. This is it. They are they are as good as they will ever be with this roster, and they're stuck with this roster for at least two more seasons, possibly three, depending on what they can do with Chris Ball's contract. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my, my postmodem for the Rockets is... Um, it's, it's grim. Yeah, GG, good luck, take care. <sighs> what happened with the Nuggets? How about that? Boy. We didn't. We didn't do a. We did a. We did a post mortem, but some things have changed. So now that the Nuggets are officially out of the playoffs, how are you feeling about that team moving forward? Uh, I feel like the addition of Michael Porter Jr. is going to make that team a little bit scary. Uh, they they showed a lot a lot this year. Even you know getting to that game seven where they were the favorites going in by a lot. Uh, Jokic probably showed me the most. Okay, you know I. See, he's, he's, he, I'm on the other side of that. Before the playoffs, I thought I really like what I'm seeing, and now after the playoffs, I'm a little disappointed with his with his uh, behavior, his attitude. Well, that the, I mean, he had way too many of those little attitude flare ups, and and he got a little out of control a few times. Yeah, but I mean, part of that is just kind of really caring about the fact that you're kind of about to get the L and that's when he had his big attitude flare-ups um he uh his scoring was unbelievable really I mean he averaging around 30 for the series and it, his yeah. his all-around game his shooting his rebounding his uh his assists you, you couldn't have asked for more out of a guy who I mean quite frankly especially the last couple of games you could tell he was exhausted too uh when it would get to like the third quarter in game six and seven, man, he was looking more sluggish than usual out there. And I think that, uh, uh, I think Portland just was able to, to grit it out, even though probably on paper, they weren't the better team. Yeah, true. So uh, moving forward, Jamal Murray impressed me. He had, he had some moments as playoffs where he played like a young buck, but he also had some where he stepped up and hit some big shots and played. I, I'm, I'm on the Jamal Murray train. I think Jokic proved to me he could be a solid guy. He could be all NBA. He's probably not going to be the MVP that you can that you can just saddle up and ride into the finals. No, he's one of those guys that's going to be in the talks for years to come, though. You know, they'll talk about him in the MVP race. You know, maybe mm-hmm. he's like you know top five in there. Yeah, especially if he stays you know as consistent with what he's doing right now. Agreed. Um. The other thing about the Nuggets that that really stood out to me is that they have a lot of depth that they need to sort out. They have like like Will Barton and Gary Harris and Jamal Murray and Jokic and Millsap. They have a lot of decisions they have to make with with this talent because I they don't do. think that you want to take this much talent into next season. I feel like you want to kind of constrict it down a little bit, give more minutes to some other players. I think Millsap is somebody you can ship out. I think Barton is somebody you can ship out. And uh, I think they need a strong sixth man mm-hmm. that can score. They need like they need like a like a buckets man off the bench, right? Like a right. Jamal Crawford. Well, that's kind of what 
the role Barton is really in right now. Yeah, but but Barton is like a. Every time I see Barton do something amazing in the playoffs, it's not because of his, his scoring ability. It's because he's got that length and craziness, and he's got good heart. He's making blocks that he shouldn't be making. He's mm-hmm. leaping across the court. He's a great, like, um, um, glue guy. It seems like he can do a lot of different things. But they need a Jamal Crawford or uh, um, um, the gentleman out of uh, the Clippers. I guess he's got one year left on his deal. Uh uh, Lou Williams. Yeah, sweet Lou Williams. I was thinking, I was like, how many years was Jamal Crawford on the Clippers? Right. That's <laughs> but, but that's what I mean. They need somebody like that. They need like just, just a pure buckets guy where all you can do is put him in and he's going to energize or bunny you. Well, yeah, like that would be nice points. for any team to kind of have that luxury. I think where they're, where they're at, though, I mean, they're, they're not too far off from what they need to actually to, to be in a spot where they can compete for that chip. And I don't think having that extra depth is going to hurt them, especially if it's still within their cap and they're paying for it just fine. I mean, losing pieces, especially in a team that's dealing with it. I mean, they're dealing with injury. The fact that they didn't have their rookie all year, you know, I mean, who knows what they could have done? Well, who knows what they're going to do next year with him? True. So I will say this too. Nuggets, if they let Millsap go, there's a couple other moves that they can make. They can actually get a mid range free agent. Anybody you see, would 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 be a player on the team. They can't get a Kawhi. They can't get a KD. They don't have no, the money no, no, for no. it. But but that mid range players, anybody you could see moving to that team that that could make a difference that that makes sense to you. Because I can't see <sighs> anybody on the horizon that you could plug into this roster. Not really. That's kind of a harder harder spot to kind of look mm-hmm. when we when we look at our our free agency and stuff like that. It's there's not a lot of guys on the map who are at that you know mid level range. You know as far as you know those. 10, 12, mm-hmm. $15 million a year guys. You know, somebody's going to overpay him so that he wouldn't be eligible. But do you know one player that's coming up as a free agent that you could plug into this roster that would transform this team, uh-huh. even though I hate the guy? Could Who's you that? imagine Draymond Green at the four? Uh, that would actually be pretty good. On that Especially, team? you know, as much as I, you know, dislike a lot of things that Draymond Green does, he's a pretty good fit for a team just with his passing, with his rebounding, and with his selfish, selfishlessness. Right, is <laughs> you got it. Uh, the fact that he is always willing to give the ball up for the good shot, and uh, you know those, those other things. I mean, he's he's where we don't like the the attitude things we see with other guys. He's got his teams back more than just about any other guy in the league too. So, uh, especially those uh, the OG Warriors. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he I think he would be a fantastic fit. Um, so. I think the Nuggets are going to be a contender for the next five years, at least. Um, at least that that team is really young. They have a pretty pretty nice core, a pretty you know a large core. They have they, they go do. they go nine deep. They on can, that team, yeah, you know, yeah. And and I was I was anti Malone for their head coach. I, I was really anti that head coach for a while, and and I will say I've kind of turned the page. He did impress me. He's got some growing to do. I think over the next five years. I'm not saying that they're going to win a championship, but I will say they're going to be a thorn in anybody's side who wants to win that championship. So uh, kudos to the Nuggets. That's a postmortem. Really can't say a postmortem to the Nuggets. It's more like a like a, like a a premortem? Yeah. Uh, whatever pre- whatever the live pre- version of a postmortem would be. Um, Is that the correct oh, thing? No, you know what? That's the correct It's term. not even a postmortem. That was our physical. We did a physical for the Nuggets because they're not even dead. Uh, <laughs> So there's some quick news I do want to touch base with now that we've closed the books on the on the uh, Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals with a, with an update for that game coming up here shortly. For those who missed it, 
Kristaps right. Porzingis, who has had a little bit of a rough time in the news lately. I guess you got to be in the news somehow. Yeah. It's, if you're not going to play for a year and a half, you might as well do something. So it could have been better than this, though, buddy. So as you, as you know, he's got some some rape allegations, some sexual assault allegations hanging over his head that haven't been resolved yet. So he's he's in his own he, he's in his hometown. A Latvian club, uh, nightclub. He's enjoying some fun with his friends, and people start a fight with him out front. He gets his face, hand, his clothes all ripped up, but his face and his hands completely bloodied. The end of this is caught on on tape, where it shows some cops had shown up to have a conversation with him. Now, at that point, Kristaps decides, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to act like I'm not afraid. And, and of and course not. He's being held back. But and now I get it. This guy's seven foot tall. So when I say a microscopic little <laughs> woman, I don't mean that derogatory. I just mean that if she's five foot three, she looks extraordinarily small next to them. This man, he shoves her. Look up the video. He shoves her aside so that he can act like he's going to go do something in front of the cops. And then he, of course, stands there mildly because he's not going to do anything <sighs> because because he's not. He's you know, it's not like he's he's a tough guy. Uh, covered in blood. Hand, face, pushing a woman out of the way so he could posture like he's a tough guy. Kristaps, what are you doing? Is this another warning sign that Dallas has trouble with this kid? Or is this just just hijinks that needs to, to, to not be talked about? I don't know. I think a little bit might be you're away from the game for so long. You're away from team for so long. Just sometimes what happens happens. But, you know, these aren't good warning signs. And especially, you know, He's just starting out yep. uh, with his new team, and uh, yeah, you're trying to make an impact right now, right? Like, yeah, like this you're a this free agent. This isn't how you need to act. I don't understand this kind of uh, level of immaturity that you're seeing out of some of these guys. Whether he's, uh, you know, whatever he's doing, if he's just on holiday, or if he's, you know, closer to family over there, I, whatever the case may be, this isn't what we need to do in our off season. And you're giving, it's just, it's giving the the league a bad look for a lot of these guys who just you know can't seem to i mean That's right. right now what he's he had a another allegation before the end of the season mm-hmm. and so it's like th- we, this is going to start to snowball on this poor kid right and he's not going to be able to dig his reputation out of it and this without even having played a game for dallas yet That's right let's let's kind of get ourselves on the right page here if we want to actually get our career kind of back on the right path, and he's not down the right road right now. Yeah, and it's also a shame that Dennis Smith Jr. has played a whole bunch of NBA, and we still talk about the guy who hasn't played in that trade more than we talk about Dennis Smith Jr. Porzingis, I get it, you're a young kid, and you're looking at, at uh, being unstoppable and at the top of the world, and you think you're you're all these things. But let me tell you this, you're probably going to get the max deal out of Dallas. But that's the last contract you're going to get if you have another one of these allegations that that stick to you. Because you know what, the thing in New York, I get it. The fight in the nightclub, okay, that that gives me heartburn. One more thing comes up, you're a cancer. Period. Yeah. No, he's he's. Well, let me just say it this way. Uh, I think Porzingis is going to have a good future. I think that uh, he'll be able to show us some stuff. Especially, uh, you know, I think he'll be able to really perform. Uh, above his potential this year and buddy my hat's off to you break a leg ah oh well done so one thing that we'd like to do here at the over and back podcast is always inject laker talk into everything we do and we did a little bit at the beginning 
the top of the show, but we really want to drive home how much we want to talk about the Lakers here with this news update. Monty Williams was offered a contract. People didn't hear about this, but if you dig deep into the uh, into the news cycles, you'll see that Monty Williams was offered a contract to coach the L.A. Lakers. He turned it down so that he could be head coach of a much brighter team. See what I did there? Yeah, that's with the great. Phoenix Suns. Ty Lue was offered the same contract, three years, $18 million. Please take Jason Kidd as an assistant coach because we like him, but we don't trust him. Ty Lue offended walks, said he was disgusted by the offer, offended, shut down the communications, and didn't even want to consider First, that. First, can I ask you, when did Ty, Ty Lue become Pat Riley? When Ty Lue won a championship, <laughs> he gets to say, I'm a championship-winning coach. That's it. That's all it comes down to. Yeah, he's the, a lot. Of- the, it doesn't matter. There's no asterisk next to it that says LeBron coached that team. He he gets to say it. And he's owed $10 million by the Cavs. So if you're only going to offer him 18 over 3 that he, and he has to give up $10 million to do it, you're really only paying him three years for $8 million. That's certainly not enough to be a head coach yeah. when you're going to get fired in two years for Jason Kidd anyways. The writing's <sighs> on the wall there. So out of all this head coach drama and this Kyrie might be coming drama which is also going into why Ty Lue might not have got the job it's coming out that Jeannie Buss is revisiting the idea of trading LeBron James and it's also coming out that the Laker brain trust because although Jeannie Buss is the the, the equivalent of a CEO there are multiple owners of the Lakers organization at this point they want to pull the plug on the bus family ownership if Jeannie Bus can't write the ship. What do you think of that? They've been talking about that for a while. And the bus family's having a lot of issues there. And I wouldn't be I literally would not be one bit surprised if that happened if they had to step in there. Because they had to step in there when uh what's his name? The other bus. Uh Dummy Bus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dummy. Dummy and his brother. Right. So yeah. They did a horrible job, and basically he just got the boot and pushed right out. Um, mm-hmm. He he had an, he got chance after chance, and finally Jeannie Buss had enough, and they let him go. Now this would being the problems with her. I mean, are the overall kind of stakeholders in with the team? Like it's. Oh my, uh, well, I'd like to just interject something, Jason. Can you give us an update? Is that right? I, that's I, I, not I don't right. think that's right. I don't think that's right. There's no way that's uh, maybe oh. okay. We, we NBA.com. Thank you for uh, <laughs> for giving us a heart attack. There, they gave us. Uh, they said the end of the fourth quarter. It was 67-64 Toronto on top, and once we refreshed, <laughs> it told us it was the beginning of the fourth. But so yeah, we're uh, going we're going into the fourth quarter after uh, we thought we were looking at the score from a Sixers Knicks <laughs> games from 1996. <laughs> that's right. We, that's right. Yikes. We, so we, yeah, yeah. 67-64. Raptors are currently in the lead going into the fourth quarter. Joel Embiid, big shout out on the four of fourteen shooting. Way to way to drive it home. <laughs> uh, so sorry sorry to derail you. That just gave me a heart attack, and I wanted to completely distract you. Let's let's go back on to. Yeah, we do have a problem with the Lakers. We do have a problem with the Bus family. We do need to be being being a fan. Is is the current state of the Lakers good or bad for the NBA? It is a horrible look right now. We are talking about one of like the most storied franchise in the history of the league. I'd say second most storied. Well, okay, we'll take the Celtics. The eh. yeah, that's it. Celtics then the Lakers. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, second most storied team. 
But shout out to Bill Russell. Those those Celtics were very old stories that are all in black and white still <laughs> that not many people remember. The Lakers are still probably the most dominant franchise in what's considered more of the modern age, modern era yeah. of the NBA. Yeah. Absolutely. That being said, I'm not a Lakers fan, even though I really sounded like one there. But big James Worthy. Um, they're, you know, it's it, <laughs> it's not good signs of things that are coming down the pike for for the Lakers. I agree. Uh, they are. They're looking like they are starting to not only as far as their their team chemistry goes and the team makeup and everything, but from the, like the top to bottom, but from their their executive side of things, like it just seems like there is nothing but just uh, confusion and no turmoil. T- in turmoil, yeah. exactly. It's just it's crazy, and especially coming out of this franchise to to look this discombobulated with everything that's going on from it seems like from top to bottom, from front to back of this organization, it just seems like it's one thing after another. And hopefully, maybe they'll be able to right the ship within the next season or two. But it's not looking good. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, we'll uh, we'll put a pin on the Lakers until uh, until our next podcast because we can, we can only fillet them so much. But I'm I'm in 100 percent agreement that they're in some turmoil. The last bit that I will add is that uh, here's a question for you. You might be able to get this right. Genie Bus vetted the Vogel hire. Sorry, the Vogel hire through somebody she trusts with decisions for the Lakers. Do you know who that person was? Who's that? Phil Jackson. Because he did such a bang-up job as an executive in New York. <sighs> I digress. Uh, some other quick updates from around the news. Uh, I'm sorry, some quick updates from around the league. Uh, Paul George is getting his uh, shoulder repaired, the um, uh, rotator cuff surgery. Oh, is he? Yeah. So it was a little bit more serious than uh, than the team had uh, let on during the playoffs. Yeah. He's getting rotator cuff surgery, so hopefully he'll be back up to full speed by the time training camp starts. And then Russell Westbrook got his annual knee scoping again for the Thunder. So shout out to both of them for a quick recovery. Yeah, I hope so, you know. Uh, the other well, thing, I, <laughs> <laughs> did that sound sincere? I don't no, know. No, it didn't. <laughs> so we had a, a couple questions in from our reader, Daniel. Big shout out to Daniel for for hitting us up, especially hey. with the uh, with the downtime. Uh, the first question that he uh, hit us with. Yeah, that's a heartbreaker, Daniel. I don't know why you hit us with these questions, right. man. It's too it's too soon right now for us to be to be okay talking like this. Uh, could this be the end of the Warriors dynasty? Asked me three days ago, I would have said yes. KD and Clay could be leaving, and they might lose both of these players. Uh, he doesn't think, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, they might lose both players if they don't give Clay Thompson the max. What are our thoughts on their reign, and what are some good landing spots if they both leave? So I'm going to go ahead and take the lead on my thoughts on the reign, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, are we still not cursing on the podcast? You were still not cursing on the podcast. I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, to be quite honest, I'm I'm about done with the rain. Yeah, it's uh, it's tiring when the whole news cycle is still with uh, with teams that are shining. It seems like still the it's just so soaked with Warriors talk, whether it be. You know, they do something right or they do something wrong. We're going to make them the number one headline, mm. depending on, you know, depending on if it's a Monday through Saturday. That's right. Uh, it, it's just it's so I'm, I'm really I'm really done. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, really pulling for uh, pulling for uh, the geez, the, the Blazers. I, I can't even begin to tell you how much I'm pulling for the Blazers right now. So he, I feel like 
This is one of those things. This like the Warriors dynasty dynasty deserves a part one, part two. I really think it does. It does. The the post Durant. Yeah, part one. Didn't care for it. Yeah, they didn't care for it, but loved it. Right. If that makes sense. They they drafted these players. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry, not hot coming out of college. He was what uh, drafted after Johnny Flynn and Marco, not Marco Rubio. That's a that's a political candidate out of uh, Florida. <laughs> my bad. Um, although he might make it in the NBA one day. I don't we'll, know. We'll I don't want to. I don't want to break his hoop dreams. Ricky Rubio, Ricky Rubio, and and Johnny Flynn, two point guards taken before Steph Curry in that draft. Clay Thompson, not considered a hot shot, was actually considered being trade. They considered trading him for Kevin Love. What? Five Five, six, six years ago now. All right. No, uh, well, people don't remember that. You know, he was just uh, reamed with knee issues. Yeah, yeah. And ankle issues. Was it ankle issues? Knee issues? I think it was ankle. Steph issues. had the Steph had the ankle. Yeah, and he couldn't get over it. For it mm-hmm. seemed like what four or five seasons. He signed a really uh, team friendly yeah, contract that's because part of, of it. The, that injury is part of the reason why the Warriors are in the spot they yep. were because they were able to keep Steph on this really really small what, right. five million dollar a year contract. It was or more. Like it was that? more than that, but it was a mid teens contract instead of a, a, a late twenties contract, right? So uh, he he signed a de escalating contract instead of an escalating contract. And he didn't sign for the max because he had ankle injuries. Now what they pretty cool science if you ask me. But what they did was they they took a cadaver and they started putting cadaver parts into his ankle to provide the support. It, it clearly worked and it, it held him up. Uh, now that he's thirty one and he's, he's still got some small ankle problems, but he's been able to have the career that he's had. Pre Kevin Durant, so so the Warriors dynasty part one loved it. Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. These are players that Harrison Barnes. Yeah, these are players oh. that, that were drafted and groomed. Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr get tons of credit for 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 being able to groom these players. They brought in Sean Livingston and gave him a second chance. They brought in Andre Iguodala after people thought his career was pretty much on the downslide. Leandro Barbosa. Yes, and Leandro Barbosa out of <laughs> out of Phoenix, right? Yes. Or Brazil. Take your pick. They built a solid foundation and had great players, and they went on and won one championship or two championships, uh, and then and then were a, a heartbeat away from from a, a, a game five win against the uh, right. Cleveland Cavaliers. Whatever I, we know how that went, and yeah. then it turned on to be the, the the turning point. They they were a seventy three win team, and they weren't artificially created. This was great drafting, great grooming. Uh, the done the right way. They bring Kevin Durant in, right? Right. This is the part two of the of the dynasty. Shame on everybody involved. I get it. Now you're now you're now you're the big bad wolf, and and sure, you just took the greatest shooter of all time with one of the best knockdown shooters well, in the you, game. You put the best one of the best shooters of all time and Kevin Durant on the team yep. but it just got done getting the best record of wins. all time. That was right after their 73 win season. Yeah. Right. So you take the, the the feelings I have about Kevin Durant abandoning the 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 thunder to the team that just eliminated him out of this and you just say you're adding at the time the third best player in the league. Now I'd say he's the second or third Maybe the first best yeah. player in the league, right? Maybe he's the best player, but he's definitely the second best player in the mm-hmm. league. And you just put him on a team with the best shooter of all time and probably the, the second best shooter in the league right now in Clay Thompson. Right. With the heart and soul players like Iguodala, um, Draymond Green, yeah, and these other people. It, yeah, I get it. You're going to win, but you're not winning in such a way that I could admire what you did. Like, had you guys well, just kept this this core group together and you you did what you did, I would have admired you more than the Bulls, more than more than anybody 
uh, in modern basketball history. The way I see about it, though, is that we really can't put so much onus of that whole thing coming together on the Warriors, per se. They didn't have to twist his arm very hard to be like, hey, uh, what do you think about this? And Durant kind of jumped all over that. You know what I mean? It wasn't, uh, it wasn't like they had to the, – the recruiting was as – as big as some of these other uh, things you see, like they everybody thought that it was a good idea, and it happened pretty quick. And uh, you know, the the rest is kind of it's kind of history, and a history that you know yeah. is is putting it's putting a kind of a a dark light on a lot of it players is. that were that were really you know before all these guys are like these guys are like villains now you know what yeah. I mean and so many guys were like you know the golden ch- children of the NBA mm-hmm. you know the the way people used to talk about you know Clay and Steph like pre pre Durant deal yep. I mean it's it's completely different so. so I will say Steph and Clay both paid a price not not financially but with their reputation all time right no, no, I'll, nobody I'll ever that. really liked uh, Draymond though so yeah. that's, that's <laughs> yeah, still his, all good his reputation is what it is but I will say this about their reign um, had they not brought Durant on they probably would have been as good I'll, I'll give you that much um, but but they would have at least been a lot more respected and this would have been the franchise in which they did it the right way right and it's a shame that they did it the same way that, that the Miami Heat did it and, and you know all these other um, um, all these other, all these other uh, teams. Now, the second part of that question is, where do I see these people going? I cannot see Clay Thompson leaving. I just can't. No, not at all. No, he's. I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to be a pretty cemented in there. I think they're going to do what they can to make sure that that Clay is a part moving forward, no matter what. So. Agreed. Um, as far as as far as Durant, I previously saw him going to New York. I still think that's a possibility. I've always been on the bandwagon that it's more Nets than it is Knicks, but I digress. I as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I kind of feel like he's starting to realize that wait a minute this is my team i don't have to leave and go prove anything i can i can stay here in golden state i'm not saying it's a lock that, that that's the smart play it is the smart but play that's literally not a single thing that we've heard so far as what everybody's saying about where Katie's at, especially when they talk about sources close to him, and mm-hmm. like they've already said that you know he's been gone for a while so i just think he probably saw that he was partnering up with a complete and I still can't curse on this podcast, right? A complete loser out of Boston in Kyrie Irving. <laughs> so that's my take. Uh, he had another question that he wrote in with. Um, this one, would you like to take the lead on? Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. So the one of what Daniels asked this time is there has been some scuffles uh, in recent games. Aside from the malice in the palace, what are your favorite scuffles of all time? Well. Wow. You know yeah. what? I, I I would love to to take the lead on this. And especially in this season of the playoffs, my favorite scuffle or scuffles. I'll say scuffles. And it's hard to really pick pick such pick one because there were so many really good ones. But I gotta say, I geared up every time that the Knicks and the Heat played each other in the playoffs. Okay. 
Good job. It was job. the best seeing like guys like Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning mm-hmm. and Charles Smith, Jeff and Van Tim, Gundy up Tim in Hardaway, there. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Van Gundy hanging off people's legs and stuff. Yeah, it was. I mean, there was no more intense playoff basketball when those two got together, and especially the particular fight where Van Gundy is hanging off for dear life. That was that was probably one of the best. But those guys were always known for just. I mean, nobody went at it harder than these guys, and I don't think I ever saw uh, more fists fly between two teams than when these guys were playing. They are the reason for a whole lot of uh, suspension rules, mm-hmm. uh, clearing the bench rules, uh, leaving the bench rules, uh, all of these things. Like it's all a lot of those come down to things that happened with, between those two in the playoffs, and I miss those days so much. So I got a couple of them. One of them's cheap. Right. One of them's not really a good scuffle, but it changed the course of the series, in my opinion. All right. LeBron James and Draymond Green in the 2015 NBA Finals. Is this the Nutshot series? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think that one was, and it was the way Draymond's on the ground and LeBron steps over him. Uh-huh. Draymond loses his cool and gets a tee and gets kicked out of the next game, and then they end up losing that and go on to a game seven. Yeah. Right? That whole sequence. I think that scuffle was amazing because LeBron James realized at that point I needed more than just physical ability. I need to like I need to, I need some kind of edge, and the refs are going to have to give it to me, and I'm going to exploit Draymond Green's yeah. anger to do it. Um, but my all-time, it's so weak, man. I feel embarrassed that I'm going to do this. My all-time All right. favorite scuffle is Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Man, those are some big haymakers that didn't connect. Let <laughs> right? me tell you what. <laughs> all, only thing that's missing out of this now is a landed punch. Right, right. <laughs> uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, uh, both very dominant in their own respective ways. Right, both refusing to back down from anybody in the league. They ran into each other literally and figuratively more than once. Now Charles Barkley has no problem standing up to anybody, and Shaquille O'Neal has no problem backing up the fact that he's seven foot one. 495,000 pounds. So Charles Barkley ends up taking a shot and completely misses. And Shaq (laughs) takes a shot and completely misses. That, to me, is the best scuffle. Because there's nobody on the planet that could get between these two gigantic men and stop them from fighting if they really wanted to. Right. I'm 99% sure they were scared to death to connect the shot. They didn't want to hit each other. Oh, they just no. didn't. They just didn't well, have any grounds. And if you don't know the, those two are actually very, very good friends. Even at the time of that fight, yeah, you know this. You know I this? didn't know this. Okay, so even during the time of that fight, they were still good friends. They actually went out to dinner after that. <laughs> <laughs> of course they did. Yeah. So I mean, like, it, it's it was nice to see that they were actually still not letting their competitiveness kind of fleet even though they were good friends and they still, you know, gave literally everything out there on the court mm-hmm. to the point where they're coming to blows with people that they actually really cared for. And so, True. you know, that's a that's a good heart in basketball, you know? Honorable mention, John Starks, Michael Jordan. Oh, come on. I, I said honorable mention. Dishonorable mention? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. Okay. It's up there a little yeah, bit. Step to Mike. What are you doing? All right. Fine. Ladies and gentlemen... This has been a tremendous hour and a half podcast. I have uh, I've certainly missed you over the last two weeks, and I uh, I do hope that uh, we get more interaction with you on our Facebook page and our email address over and back o v e r n b a c k at gmail dot com for questions, comments, concerns. If you want to make fun of me, so Jason can read it on the air, or if you want to give me compliments, and I will read those on the air. Either of those work for me. Yeah, that me. first one sounds great. 
and, and as we promised, we're going to give you one final update on the 76ers Toronto game. There's four minutes uh, left in the game. Toronto seems to be up, but it's a close game. Five point series or five point game at this point. Yeah, it's still up in the air, man. I wish we guys we can give you more of a definitive result here, but uh, now it's a four-point game, so we'll see how it goes, man. It's going to be down to the wire, it looks like. I'm still holding on to the fact that it's going to be Raptors-Bucks, and if I'm wrong, Jason's going to buy each and every one of you listeners lunch, if you can find him. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's it? All right. Hey, guys, thank you. It was a great week. It was really glad to be back. We missed you guys, and we will see you next time. Peace. Peace.